0: Welcome to the Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Hi Jeff. Hi Brett. How are you? I'm fantastic. Did you note know the uh pregnant We took pause. a pause yeah to think pause. about it. I you thought about it. it.
1: I, I did. I was trying to come up with a better word we've used fantastic before, but Wonderful. No. Miami no. Heat in the playoffs.
0: Miami so Heat are still in the playoffs. Eastern story, Conference Finals. A great story. It is. Okay. Culture. Right. Anyway, we have a great guest today, so I'm really excited about this. I just
1: blew past that. Culture.
0: Culture, yeah. That's why they are where they are. That's because right. Because of their culture. That's right. And it's a culture. It's uh, important to us, and it's important to them, and it should be important to everyone. <laughs> it would be interesting,
1: future podcast to talk to somebody about the culture there, Right as a business, right? Because look oh, what yeah. they've done, and look at that. Look sure. at that team, right? Okay. Do you think we can ask Jimmy to come? We'll, and we'll talk put a pin about, in that, right? Her right. Eric's?
0: mate. One of them, one I like of how you first okay. name Bate. I, I like, like that. That's of impressive. course,
1: as if as if our audience would know that you. Anyway, exactly. all right.
0: Our, our guest today. Our guest today here, yes. is Erica Obando. Erica is a distinguished TEDx international speaker author, consultant, and a certified life coach, and she's the founder of TPE Coaching and Consulting. She uses the tools from her own survivorship story to coach individuals and turning victims into victorious heroes of their own stories. She advocates a life with purpose, and she helps empower, coach, and guide her clients to step into their own power and discover the best versions of themselves by changing the narrative of their story. With almost a decade of speaking and mentoring experience, Erica shares the tools she acquired in overcoming unthinkable hardships in her own life by teaching others how to use the same tools to achieve a balanced and mission-driven life. Her experience includes working with international learning facilities, organizations, corporations. She hosts workshops, individual and group coaching, as well as executive roundtables, and her toolbox can be successfully applied in all aspects of life, including personal, professional, and educational environments. Welcome, Erica.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Welcome. We I need to
2: walk around with him with that we're introduction. Happy. Yeah, well, we're that's happy.
1: that's why I that's why I have him. <laughs> next yeah. to me, although I don't get that
0: introduction all the time. <laughs> oh, uh, maybe well, this never. is a man who needs no introduction. Well, that is that is true. <laughs> but, Erica, all right. So let's start off with TPE coaching and consulting. What's the TPE stand for?
2: Well, it's the pink elephant. Love, love um, it. it. Stands ah, for the pink nice. elephant. Love Branding magic there. And it's because I work with companies in the wellness space and bringing that conversation into the work environment. We're starting to see, especially after COVID, Mm -hmm. how the effects of wellness can, you know have ripple effects in the office negatively and positively. And so the pink elephant is we can no longer ignore it. We have to address it. And I loved coming along companies to help have that conversation and, you know, be the negotiating tool between the employees and the company as well as management.
1: Help us understand that general term wellness, right? Us and our listener understand that general term wellness, because I know a lot of companies in history would focus on as they should, the, company's wellness, right? And how they're Correct. doing. But part of that and baked in there is another form of wellness. And, and I imagine that's what you focus on.
2: Well, I always like to point the direction to the fact that your employees are your first client. If you treat them as your first client, Mm -hmm. then you take care of their wellness, their mentality, the tools they need, everything that they need to succeed at the positions that you hired them for. And then they turn around and become your advocates, the advocates for your company, for your mission, for your service. And so we have to kind of pivot in the mentality that the wellness of your employees is crucial because if they're happy, mm-hmm. then, you know, then they're being your first marketing tool, so to speak. Right. But when they're not happy, they also express that. I've been to places where, you know, the first thing that they, I, I hate this place. And I'm like, does your boss know that you feel this way? Right. Uh, no, 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 they don't. And so I think it's important for us to look at it in the perspective of of curating that wellness interiorly because, you know, you don't hire robots. You hire Humans that come with a lot of things, you know, even though they walk in through your door, they're not leaving the problems at home. They're carrying it back there somewhere. Right. And so if someone is not 100 percent here because they're thinking of what's going on at home, then you're paying for a body to sit there and not be productive. And the idea is that you're going to address whatever it is, you know, pull it to the side and say, how can I support you in whatever you're going through so that they feel valued, heard, seen And they can then turn around and address it, but then feel like, okay, wow, I really need to give this company what they hired me for because they're valuing me as a human being.
0: Right. Are you finding that it's still a pink elephant or are more companies and more executives more open to, you know, receptive to this concept of wellness and that it actually adds a benefit to their workforce and to their, you know, to their overall business?
2: It's a 50-50. Honestly, we are starting to see a lot of, you know, the younger companies, they're 100% baking that in right as as they build their business plan. But a lot of the older companies that think we've done this this way for so many years, you know, Mm -hmm. we're good this way, are starting to feel the pain points and are starting to have to look into that space. Because, again, a lot more employees are walking out, you know, 20 year employees are saying, you know what? I'm done or I can do something better or someone in a newer company, newer mentality company will learn how to appreciate me as an employee and I'm going there. So I think it's 50-50, but I think it's shifting more towards the, man, we're going to have to look into this. And I love that awakening because I think it's going to help everybody.
0: Right. And when you say younger companies, do you mean... Startups, Or do you mean companies with younger founders or younger executives?
2: Yeah. Is there a distinction between, is it a
0: generational issue? Do you think?
2: I think so. I think that there's a lot of, you know, conversation about wellness when they're walking into those spaces. Some of these executives are coming on to older companies, but they're changing the whole fabric of how they look at this conversation. And so it's beautiful to see it that way because then you get people's attention Mm -hmm. and people like that new fresh air. And so, yes, I think it's startups, but it's also the newer executives coming into these, right. you know, positions that are being open all of a sudden because the, the baby movers are, you know, kind of finding their way into retirement around these times. And so now the shift is coming.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm not that surprised that it's a struggle because I th- I think a lot of, you know, business leaders are, are faced with this idea of maximizing productivity from their people. And now somebody's coming along and saying, Hey, you should really, you know, devote some time to meditation or yoga or wellness or health and benefits. And they're thinking, geez, that's not gonna help productivity. That's gonna hurt productivity. I have to take them away from their desk and and, you know, take them to a quiet room or something like that. But It's what you're saying is the investment is worth, you know, the output is greater than the input.
2: It is. And it doesn't necessarily have to be taking them away during productivity hours, right? Because problems happen outside of work hours. But if they still feel that there's that support there, Mm -hmm. then they're going to come in the next day with a new new mindset. Mm -hmm. For example, in my business, what I do is I offer life coaching. Usually you hire an employee You say, hey, welcome aboard. We're so glad to have you here. I'm going to take care of your teeth, your eyes, and a little bit of your general health, right? But... You didn't hire them for their looks. You hired them for their mentality, their skill set, their mindset. Mm -hmm. And so where is the support there? Not everyone needs a psychologist or a licensed professional. Someone may just need a little bit of, you know, help getting unstuck with certain things, maybe even within the skill sets of what you hired them for. Mm -hmm. So when you bring on a life coach as part of the benefits package to your employees, then you're saying, hey, you know, there's someone there that can help you in whatever it is that you're stuck because most of the time and in past we've left that role to the HR rep but the HR rep is over flooded with reports with you know training onboarding you know doing exit interviews what else can you pile on that person when let's say Susie in the corner is having an issue I mean can she or does she or he have the time to address it so bringing on a life coach kind of is a tool for the HR rep to say hey can you help me out with the situation while I handle all of my stuff and The answer is always yes, because in my coaching experience, Mm -hmm. I've seen lots of transformations of employees saying, man, I didn't realize it was that easy. Like, I, I can't believe that I was getting so stuck on this. And then it starts the ripple effect in their work productivity. So when you look at it that way, it's a different angle. It's not that you're taking them away from, it's something as easy as a lunch break. The life coach is accessible to you in your office, you know, go make an appointment. And then in the lunch break, they can have that session and then go back refreshed. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: sure, sure. I love that. Is there a confidentiality concern at all? Like if, so if I hire you to work for my company, are my employees speaking to you? Are they concerned that you're going to report back to me? Or do you have any kind of confidentiality issues or...
2: No, because as a professional, I have to hold confidentiality to that particular person. Mm-hmm. And there are reports that I do because, I mean, if you hired me, you're going to want to right. see ROI. Right, it's sure. not like, oh, this is, you know, kumbaya moments. <laughs> right, <exactly. laughs> Everyone's got a it. smile on their face. Right, exactly. There, yeah. You have to see the ROI on it. And so yes, there are reports. There are levels of feedback that you mm. get, but the content of it is confidential. That's addressed right from the right. beginning because no different than you go to a licensed professional, there's people that can ask her information, but right. unless there's a detrimental harm to the person, it's all confidential.
0: Right. Yeah. I can see the value, obviously, in coaching, but also even just having for some people a, a sounding board for some issue that they feel like they can't talk about either. Maybe it's a personal issue and they don't want people in the office to know or whatever it is, or a struggle that they're having on a, you know, a work issue. Right. So that they're not comfortable sharing.
2: Right. Like something as simple as this. How many times and you both own the company, right? So it's a different relationship here. But when you guys started, how many times were you comfortable with saying, hey, I don't know how to do this or I made a mistake and feel that you were going to be safe? Most of the time you're afraid. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You You should, you should, because inside of failure is where you find your best tools, right? Right. You have to figure out how to come back from it. But we are in a society where failure seemed as taboo, like, no, don't mention that you failed. And so instead, you start hiding. Whereas with a life coach Mm -hmm. on site, you have the opportunity to go to that person, not feel that your job is jeopardized, and, you know, look for the solution to better that problem, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, listen— I don't know how to write this report, or I don't know how to you know look through this brief and do what I'm supposed to do. How can I do it without mm-hmm. feeling the risk of man? If I if I voice out that I don't know how to do this, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you know repercussions come out at yeah.
1: me. So, have you seen the institution of life coaches or focusing on wellness accelerate post COVID? Is this a post COVID issue like acceleration of it? Because I think it was somewhat coming into the mainstream before COVID, but have you seen an uptick and an acceleration post-COVID?
2: Well, life coaching in itself, let's call it as a profession, has mm-hmm. been around for 25 years, right. right? But it has been more prominent in the last few years and definitely arise after COVID mm-hmm. because most of the people that were leaving the corporate world were like, I'm going to become a life coach. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> right, right. And right, then all right. of a sudden there's an influx of life coaches. Right. Right. And yes, on a personal level, there has been a lot I have and I work with at least five mentors slash coaches myself because, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the first thing. I'm not perfect and I don't ever strive to be. Mm -hmm. I want to be a learner and I want to have as much information as I can so I can filter that through my clients. And so I work with coaches, but the conversation of it being transferred into the workspace is new. I'm in the space. And every time I talk to, you know, company owners, they're like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Hold up a second, you know, and which is great for my space, right? Because I'm opening up a new mentality in the conversation of coaching. But yes, there is an influx of personal one-on-one coaches that has just skyrocketed since, you know, the yeah. pandemic happened.
0: I think so, I would, I mean, I'm not an expert in this field, but I would suggest oh, that loneliness like <laughs> and isolation are a product of, you know, sort of social media, if you will, but also, but exacerbated by the pandemic. So then like it got, it became worse. But I, I think, you know, like you were saying, it, it already existed, but the need for it maybe accelerated
2: yeah and when i started to go in this direction Mm -hmm. i beta tested it with some online companies because i'm like if i can nail this online where it's virtual most companies are you know either hybrid or back in the office but there's a lot out there that are 100 percent fully remote from different countries Mm -hmm. right and so i said if i could test it out that way Mm -hmm. and succeed then the in-person thing i mean is, is is a given right but what I started to notice is that a lot of people have that old fashioned disconnect. Remember, we watch it in I'm, um, you know, from back in the 80s, right? yes. So. yes. Us, <laughs> um, us too. Yes, good, good, yes, good. Yes, you know, back in our day, you know, you had your boss come over for dinner sometimes and even before our generations, right? Or we would go out with our coworkers and their family. Right. Where is that element mm-hmm. now? So mm-hmm. then that even isolates people more. So I have a workshop that I created on team culture and development that Still brings back that, you know, that great nostalgic, I know who you are, who your family is, what your dog's name is and all of that in a virtual space. Mm-hmm. Because, again, we have to change with the times. Times are not going to change for us. right? right? And right. so so my workshop allows people to have the tools to apply that still that connectivity
0: mm-hmm. in a,
2: in a virtual space or a hybrid space. And even more so when it's in, you know, when people are in the office.
0: Do you find it easier, though, in the office? To coach someone Believe it or
2: not, no. I was surprised, actually, because I thought the same thing. I'm like, right. oh, because I'm, I'm an energy person. I love to walk into a room and feel energies right. and see how I can connect with people. It's actually transferable online as well, because it depends on how you show up. And a lot of people, it's, which is funny, a lot of people are like, oh, you're like contagious. I'm like, don't say that post-COVID, because <laughs> I don't know what you mean by that. But right, no, right, but right. they say, you know, your energy is contagious. Yeah. And I was afraid I might lose that in a virtual space. But no, when you show up who you are, it's like when you're on a phone call, you know, you hear the person on the other line, if they're smiling or they're not smiling, you don't have to be in the same room, but you feel it. Right. Right. So it's that it's transferring that energy in a virtual space, regardless of whether you're in front of the person or not.
1: But I feel like that the, obviously anybody in a coaching situation or really any situation has to give back that energy a little bit too, right? So you're, whoever you're mentoring or coaching at the time has to be in an environment, if it's whether it's in person or remote, that would allow them to sort of focus on it, right? And give you back that energy.
2: Yes. And there's plenty of times, actually, it's a practice that I apply to my practice is that after any session, I need to decompress because mm-hmm. there are people that come with really heavy energies. Mm, yeah. And it's like, you know, it's no different than coming in with a big garbage can and dropping it off here and be like, all right, I feel great. <laughs> 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 I unloaded, so idea. I'm going to go back to my desk, you know, skipping <laughs> and hopping. And meanwhile, I have a you know garbage can full of garbage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's, you know, again, that's where the professionalism comes in. Mm-hmm. It's about allowing myself to process you know and dispose of what isn't needed grab some of the golden nuggets inside of that still that download mm-hmm. and make sure you use it for the next time because it's all about growth and learning and all that so as a professional it's important for me to do that part of the job as well. But yeah, energy is negative or positive in sure. different areas. I love it when when they come in with this really heavy energy and then they walk out like, you know,
1: They feel lighter. Floating, yeah, right. You know,
2: because that's- what you're really
1: weighted down and now you're like, <laughs> ah. no, but that's your job, right? I <laughs> right. mean, that's why you're there. Exactly. Is to absorb that energy for them, whatever they want to give out.
2: Correct, correct. Yeah. Because then that's the value in what, in the ROI, let's say, right? right. In the fact that someone's going to transform the minute they mm-hmm. walk into that office and then leave lighter than they came in. That's the whole purpose. And then my skill set is that, is breaking down that mm-hmm. so that I don't have, you know, a hoarding problem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so when you mentioned, obviously, the confidentiality, I understand that it would be a big component. There's got to be a trust level for the employees with you. But there's got to be a trust level and then some disclosure, you said ROI, to the business owner, right? Mm-hmm. And so how does that translate? You know, because when you're sitting with somebody and they're unloading, let's say they've got a, a family or personal problem that is very personal to them and confidential, and you're listening to this, how does that translate into ROI or report to the founders, the business owners, I should say, from from you?
2: Well, look, at the end of the day, regardless of what the problem is, My mission is Mm. to help them resolve it. Sometimes it's as easy as one session. Sometimes it takes a few sessions to get to that, right? It's no different than going to the gym. You know, you can't expect to go and, you know, pull weights today and Mm -hmm. then see, you know, look like a muscle guy, you know, walking (laughs) out that same day. Some of it takes some time to start seeing the results of it. But at the end of the day, there's basically two outcomes. The person either starts seeing progress Mm. and starts reflecting that in their productivity or they don't, at which point you both would make that decision anyway, right? Because whether they had assistance or not, they're going to continue to behave the way they feel best. And if they're not happy, they're going to show it regardless of whether they have the coaching or not. And so at that point, you, you know, normal processes. But the idea here is to allow for the person to have that transformation so that you can start saying, wow, this person really raised our numbers or really started producing quality work. You know, the good thing with my background is that I've come from severe trauma myself from childhood trauma and a lot of trials and tribulations throughout my life. And when I talk to people, there's a lot of things that I can relate to that I've already done the work with. So then when I sit in front of them, I'm like, Oh, I know that one. Hold on. I got that one in my toolbox here. Let's, let's explore this one. Um, And then that allows people to feel vulnerable, to have that trust element with me because I, I can relate to a lot of their, you know, challenges, so to speak. And then they also look at me like, wait, if you went through that and you look okay, maybe I could be okay. So it's an inspiring component to it that allows them to be like, okay, maybe I'll try.
1: So I wanted to hit that actually was, and I know we jumped in directly to the business and to coaching mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Was there an event or a series of events that led you to this profession to become a life coach? What other experiences have you had that kind of led you to this point?
2: So... 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. I had shared my story with a a friend of mine, dear friend of mine, who's like a mom to me. And within two weeks, she nominated me to go speak in front of 50 women. It was like a women's group. And I was like, are you crazy? I told (laughs) you that over wine (laughs) because I needed to download. I'm not a speaker, but I love the challenge of being put under pressure. I don't Mm -hmm. know why. Maybe it's something from my childhood, but I do my best when I'm under pressure and when I have a challenge. And Mm -hmm. so I went ahead and spoke. and. You know, I'll give you bullet points or teasers, but um, you know, I'm going to be 48 this year and I've been living on my own since I was 14. Mm -hmm. And I went through a lot of challenges even before that. I am originally from Colombia, South America, Mm -hmm. and I came here when I was five. I was actually, I'm not sure if with attorneys I'm supposed to say this, but it is the truth. But I was smuggled into this Mm -hmm. country at five years old. And then uh, I was deported back to Colombia because we were here undocumented at eight. And then we were returned to a country that was in uprest. I mean, it was the cartel had taken over. I'm from Medellin. Mm. And, you know, you were either being kidnapped for ransom money, or there was no opportunities. And Mm -hmm. my father said, I can't do this. I have children to raise. And so he made the second hardest decision of his life, which was to come back. And so I am a surviving child from having had crossed the Mexican border. And so when you start your life like that, you know, there's a lot of bumps and bruises that you take as you grow older because that's where your start is, you know, and my childhood was very, very traumatic due to a lot of the hardships that my family went through. Mm-hmm. And so I left my home when I was 14 and I just had to figure out life, falling sometimes really own. hard on my face. Uh, oh, on, my own. on your well, own. At yeah. I mean, well, you know, it's funny because in one of your previous podcasts, Krista said something that really resonated with me, which is that you're never alone in the process mm. if you care to ask for help, if you have the yeah. vulnerability yeah. to ask for yeah. help. And I did. I asked a lot of people for help and a lot of people came and helped. And I said that I was alone in the process because I was not with my family, but I had so many coaches and mentors. Coaches before coaches were a thing, right? right. Right. Coaches and mentors that came through for me that said, I see value in you and you don't see it right now, but you will one day. And that kind of stayed with me for a very long time through other professions. I actually spent 17 and a half years in the legal field right uh, out of high school. I worked for attorneys in the insurance defense space Mm -hmm. and I did that for 17 and a half years until you know that calling inside just kept nudging and nudging and then a few years later I ended up just saying this is what I'm meant to do and I'm good at it not because I want to fluff my feathers I'm good at it because I think I can resonate with a lot of the pain Mm -hmm. that people feel today and in that space help them find the healing component that they need to be productive individuals, personally and professionally.
0: Right. Right. Well, you're in some respects a product of of your service, right? Of my service, yeah. Right. You succeeded because you had coaches and guides, even if they weren't, you know, using that title.
2: Correct. Exactly. And so I see that even in the hardest and most difficult points of your life, Mm -hmm they helped me they helped me be able to see clearly so that i can then turn around and do you know fulfill my destiny so to speak and so i see the value in offering and paying it forward with what i do today
1: well and there's some not some there's a lot of credibility when you're sitting across from somebody and saying no oh, i i understand what you're going through because i have been through whatever i've been through and so there's some trust that comes right away. There's some credibility that's built. You've been there, you've done it, and you're trying to help them get through it as other people have helped you.
2: Exactly, exactly. And that's why, again, it was a calling for me because i never in a million years thought I'd be a coach. As a matter of fact, the the way it happened was I became a speaker after that one Mm. challenging Mm -hmm. uh, moment in front of 50 women. Then I started to just feel that, wow, this is a responsibility. I saw their reaction. Some people were coming up to me crying, just hugging, just needed the space for it. And then in the next 10 years, that's what I just started to do. But in the last... Six or seven years. Every time I would get off of stages, someone would pull me to the side and say, "You've been through some stuff. You look okay. Can you help me be okay?" Mm-hmm. And then I had to ask myself, "What does that even mean?" Yeah, I mean, then the word came up, "Do you coach?" And I'm like, "Well, do I?" <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like right, you know, right. I didn't even know that that was right. something that I can do. But as I started exploring that space. I realized the value there was in coaching. And then I said yes. And then that's when I started to get my certification. So I'm a master certified life coach. And then I realized that this is definitely my space. And I started working one-on-one with people first. Mm -hmm. And that's a great space. But when I started to see the corporate pain points, I'm like, wow, this is my sweet sauce because I love working in groups as well. Right. So with companies, I do the one-on-one life coaching, but I also do workshops on pain points and addressing those with homework assignments and with accountability and all of that. So that, again, it's a full package so that the company's like, oh, Erica's got it. Erica's got the pink elephant. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. One other thing you mentioned, you know, in this context was this idea of like the narrative of your story, like changing the narrative. You know, what does it mean for someone to change the narrative of their story? I think I have an idea, but love to hear from you.
2: Oh, let's see. Let's see if you're right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So I literally and figuratively changed my narrative. I was supposed to be a statistic. I was supposed to be a failure in some respects because I didn't come from knowing what it was to have a family or to be productive in a work environment. Mm -hmm. And so when I decided to change my narrative, I ended up writing a book. I did a TED Talk about my story. And then a lot of people were like, wait a second, you bullet pointed that I have questions. Mm, and so then right. the book came, which is called Without a Voice, A Woman's Journey to Resiliency. And the book details not just my story, because it took in consideration the time that the reader is taking mm-hmm. to spend their time reading my book. So half of it is, yes, this is what happened to me. But the other half is, what did I do with what happened to me, right? Because I want you to take something out of this as a golden nugget that you can use or as a tool that you can use. Right. And so when I changed my narrative, I then turned around and tell my clients and show my clients how to change narrative theirs. Because life will make you a victim on different levels for yeah. a lot of things, right? right? Small victim roles or huge victim roles. Sure. But you know, that's like me handing you something right now and saying, hey, can you put this in your pocket and carry it all day? You have the choice to say, uh oh, no, I don't think so. Or yes, I will. Right. So the victim role for me, because I've been through it, is I don't want to be the victim to my story anymore. I think I can be the superhero. So I'm going to go all ahead right. and rewrite it because I don't have to be bound to the story that, I came from. It's more, how do I move forward with a different narrative? And I think that that's important, especially in the conversation of wellness, because again, most of our issues come from being the victim of the story.
1: Like, where does that come from? Where do you attribute that to? There are people who will just say, I'm the victim and they just move forward in that way. But you said, no, 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 no I'm not going to do that. Like, where do, where do you think that comes from?
2: Well, I think it comes from two places. Mm -hmm. Some people are just bred that way. We're born with some fire inside that we try to, you know, extinguish most of our lives. But again, I realized that extinguishing it wasn't doing me any good. And Mm -hmm. when I realized that I can actually fan it, grow it, here I am, right? Fulfilling what I feel is a really profound destiny for me. And then there are other people that they're like, I don't have that fire. I don't know. You know, it's not in there. I'm right. sorry. Whatever. But and I've worked with individuals. Not everybody has it. Sure. And you're correct. Sure. But there have been individuals who had been negating that fire for so long, they didn't know it was there. But again, with coaching and working together, mm-hmm. they're like, oh my God, there is a fire. I have a bonfire and I can work off of this. And then I have worked with individuals that I have to step away from the relationship because I'm like, I don't, I've used all my tools and there's nothing here left. And then that's when I either refer them to or make a suggestion to take it to a licensed professional, a psychologist, psychotherapist that can help them dive into the past and help them resolve some you know, residual issues from their childhood that may help them get there.
1: seems to me that maybe you got it for just my view from your father. I don't know a lot of the story, right, but yeah. based on what I heard, it seems like yeah, he had yeah. that fire. My Spoken like your father, father wanted like to change the narrative, right? Wow, yeah.
2: yes. As a matter of fact, I mean, I'm glad that you said that because so, you are correct. Yeah. I identify very closely with my father and yeah, his personality right. because regardless of... Even till now, he's 73 and he has no problem me telling his age, but
1: yeah, (laughs) uh, at some point you just say, Yeah, exactly. Well, no,
2: even with me, like (laughs) for me, age is a mentality, and you know, I feel like I'm still in my 20s and I'm gonna stick to that, right? (laughs) I I, uh, I agree, but um, yeah, my dad, man, it doesn't matter what life hits him with because he went through you know 10 times worse than what we did because mm-hmm. as a young man he too had a lot of challenges right. and that's in the book right. but man he never wavers it's it's like he wakes up every morning like like the sun it's a brand new sun it's a brand new day for him and whether it's a hard one he goes to bed he you know he kind of puts it to bed literally and, and then wakes up the next day like all right I'm ready and I love that from him and so I I channel that a lot through the work that I do as well
0: yeah I mean, we all have so many teachers and coaches and guides and mentors and examples around us. The question is, do you listen to them or did you learn from them and can you incorporate them into your life and and there are resources like you out there who are professionals at it.
2: Right, exactly. And I, and if there is one driving message is that you're never alone in this process ever. Again, yeah. you know, I at 14 could have looked at it like I'm by myself, I'm alone. And so many people were there to be like, no, here, open my door and you come into my home or whatever the case Amazing. was at the moment, mm-hmm. there was always somebody there. And then even in that conversation, for example, with TPE, what I do is that, I know what my toolbox holds and I know what I can offer to people, but there are things that are out of my jurisdiction, so to speak. And so I come along with a team Mm -hmm. that infills those spots where I find limitations. I work with an incredible licensed psychotherapist out of plantation that also is part of my, she's like a strategic partner that Mm. comes in. And and whenever I find like a roadblock with a client, you know, let's say an employee, Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, I have somebody for you. Go talk to her. I think she would help you there. That way it's a one-stop shop as opposed to me saying, well, you have to go find somebody because then they feel lost and alone again. Right. This way I have a team. I have other life coaches that work with me that infill in different expertise, as well as a psychologist. And I'm, in the process of onboarding a psychologist as well. Wow.
0: That's great. Fantastic. wow That's great. This is great, Erica. I really, really appreciate you coming in. If you enjoyed the show today, please subscribe, share the show, leave a review. Subscribing to the show and leaving reviews helps others find the show and it will help us grow and it will help us produce more content and have fantastic guests like Erica. Erica, we're going to put a link to your bio, but also, uh, information about your book. It's called, again, Without a Voice.
2: Without a Voice, A Woman's Journey to Resiliency. And I am, a uh, week from today, we'll be launching the Spanish version. It's oh, fantastic. oh, fantastic. Oh, awesome. So, here in Miami, actually, next week.
1: Thank you so much for joining Is there us. a shout out you want to give to where it's going to be?
2: It's a private no. event. Oh, a private but, event. <laughs> well, then, no. <laughs> but they can go to the website and get it afterwards. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll put the
1: link in the bio uh, and in
0: the show notes. Erica, thank you so much. Brett, thank you no. so much. And Nelson, thank you.
1: Thank you, Erica. Nelson. Thank
0: <laughs> you. Jeff, <laughs> you too. For more information on this show and other resources, visit fastamron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at FastAmron.